You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Welcome, Sid Talk, to number 401 of welcome. the show. Do you think you should first say something? I just did. I said, welcome, Sid no, Talk. No, about the France, the Paris-France thing is timely uh, manner if you've listened to this like months or years away from now then it probably is off the radar but as of yesterday there was a terrible terrorist attack in paris france and so if anyone has ever listened from france or from paris or we hope in they any are way okay. in that area of danger then um we hope you are well yes terrible things yes there's no discussion we could have over that that would let fit inside of the podcast no, so the before the after the show discussion was we were talking about this movie. Yeah, so we'll leave it. We'll leave that to the movie. Um, let me see. It is Saturday, November the fourteenth. This is after the show number four hundred and one. The movie we're looking at is Inside Out from Pixar. It's a two thousand and fifteen movie released on Blu-ray on the twenty seventh of October. So you can pick it up now. It's rated PG. Uh, that's unusual, isn't it? They're usually a G rating, these kind of movies. And it's from our friends at Disney. And Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of Inside Out. Inside Out is basically a study of the emotions of a young girl going from childhood into puberty. A young girl whose family has moved from one town to another. And so we get the animated version of what a human's human girl emotions might be saying to her and it's it's genius i can't i can't help it i you know i will stand up and have that discussion with anybody it is somebody has tapped into something that makes a hundred percent sense to me maybe not the disgust but everybody else makes perfect sense to me and i i'll tell you right now i loved it i laughed my head off and i cried my eyes out all right, so on to the movie. Um, <laughs> Spoiler alerts in case. What did you think of the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Refer back, rewind about 10 seconds, 20 seconds ago. I loved it. I loved it. It was, it, because I moved when I was a little girl from one town to another in a very brief, like with not any knowledge of it whatsoever. And then boom, we moved. And I was actually 11 years old. Right. She's 11 years so old. So you really, um, I completely identify with a lot of the, like, what the, what, I, and then the, although parents were different in the 70s, right? A lot of parents are still the same as they were as my parents. You just deal with it. You just get over it. Like, seriously, you'll be fine. And that's it. Like, they're busy with their thing, just like her parents. They're busy with their work and they're busy with moving. And you're supposed to just sort of, like, suck it up. And because you're a kid, you're not supposed to even... Like, you're not even supposed to notice, like, you're just supposed to go like, oh, okay, whatever, I got a new school, yeah. everybody's going to stare at me it's constantly, like the biggest, uh, thing, and the teacher better not talk to me. That one I really identified with, and unfortunately, the first teacher I had when I moved to my new town, I hated her. She was terrible. Did she make you stand up and say She made you, you stand up. She would embarrass you in front of everybody. She would say things to you that were, I mean, again, remember, this is the 70s, late 70s, early 80s. Late 70s for 6th grade. And she was a hateful, spiteful, 
spineless little bitch. And I know now, if I knew her as a grown-up, I'd think the same thing. So it made my experience even worse. So yeah. I totally identified with her, that part of her so character. Just let me explain, if you don't know about this movie. The premise of this movie is there are characters inside the head of this teenage... Not teenager. 11-year-old. Yeah, this... Yeah, she... Well, actually, from... It's it's a whole life up to her being 11. Um, but there are characters inside her head that control her emotions. This is how Pixar have kind of visualized how, you know, your head works. Which I thought was awesome because what I really liked was the very opening scene where the little girl's a baby, Riley. And there's no thoughts in her head at all because she's just a baby, right? And then one, they, they have this tube with these balls that come floating down and each of the balls are an emotion, an emotion that is occurring. And the ball comes down and it's just this glowing nothing ball, right? And then Joy, who's one of the characters, touches it and the baby smiles. You know, there's things in this movie that are just like... And the only so button she has in the beginning, so. she's got Joy and she's got a button. So she can press the button when she wants Riley to feel Joy. Joy, yeah. Then she says, it, I wasn't alone for very long. And then she gets joined over time by all the other emotions who can control that button as well. So. I just, I like the metaphor of like, we're born and it's, there's, we're a, we're a canvas blank. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, to, towards the end of the movie, it, it's more complicated than that. Which is I bet exactly we have another movie and the baby's first emotion isn't joy, but anger. Because not everybody has... I mean, like, anger comes into it pretty quickly, even right, but, for a I baby, mean, right? As a human, as a person with a personality, because they build a personality. They describe to you how our personality's gotten built over yep. the first 11 years, um, has been built over the first 11 years. What if... Because if you notice, we get to the mother's head eventually. The mother's head, the main person in control of that of her is, is sadness. Yeah, yeah. Joy isn't the lead person. Joy is like the center of everybody for Riley. There's five of them. Joy is always at the center. Got to keep the, the kid happy. But when you get to the mother's head, sadness is the lady in the middle who's in charge of everybody. Yeah. So it's kind of, and anger is the dad's middle guy. It, may, it makes me want to see more an expanded. Yeah. Like, if they ever do a sequel, which Pixar are known to do, a boy version or an adult version. You know? Yes. Because there's a lot of diff. You know, we're all different, like, and a boy. Yeah, they do cover a boy a little bit in this movie. Kind in of, this, in kind the of an insulting way. In an, yeah, they make, in a kind they make of dopey... Riley seem very complex and interesting, and they make him seem like a dopey airhead. But still cool because it's. Is that how your mind worked when you were twelve? It probably did. Like, yeah, <laughs> you, there's not a lot on it. Like, let me know? let me rephrase that. Is that how your mind works? As a man, I, I, I really enjoyed the um, I enjoyed the man, like because they do actually zoom his, into the you, adult head. If you dig a little deeper into his, yeah, the way it's portrayed is he's got anger issues. Yeah, we're never gonna know that because he's Mr. Dad. But we hear him on the phone briefly, yeah. and he's annoyed pretty instantly with the people on the phone, with the movers, and then with the job. I mean, very briefly, Just we're talking stressed, about like one he? second, but yeah. it's instant. So the core of his personality. When you get in his head, that's what I mean. It's like they, anger. You could expand upon this yeah. in in a big way, like and but you know, just because we're covering Riley mostly in this, and it's just very brief going to anybody else. But I, I really, I was like, oh yeah, I'd love to see it from a boy's perspective or from a adult's perspective. Although the adult's pers- perspective wouldn't really, it would work. have to include sex. 
and sexual yeah, and feelings. It, and it wouldn't be a Pixar movie. I mean, it, you could. Here's an interesting one: a teenager, like you've got the teenage years, and when the what would you call it? Sort of the puberty. passion, emotion introduces themselves because there's none of that in a kid, right? No, I mean, even this movie, uh, when they, uh, towards the end of the movie, when they're looking along the control panel and she says, what's that button? Puberty. Pu- what is that? Oh, yeah. Pu- puberty. What's puberty? And she's like, oh, don't matter. Don't matter. So yeah, like, there, don't- there is even a, a you know, a, a sequel to this film where it's Riley again, but True. from then on. So, yeah, there's a lot you could explore. But I really love the beginning bit because we are a blank canvas. I, and just, then- wrote, I just wrote a scene for an adult version. We meet, we've met all five emotions, right? Now we're going to Riley. She's grown up. She's past puberty. Let's get past puberty. No, let's be middle of puberty, right? And there's a stairway now in the mine. This doesn't sound very Disney friendly. (laughs) And they're all at the counter, you know, and they're trying to figure out, and she's about to kiss a boy or something. And all of a sudden down the stairway comes passion. And she's not dressed sexy or anything, but she's just like, hello. And everybody's like, (gasps) is she on fire? No, she's just red. No, she can't be red. I think pink. she's white. She might be pink or white, but uh, I don't know. That's I haven't, I haven't. I can't visualize that part yet. But everybody's like scared of her. Everybody enjoy Joy's like no, no, no. Just ignore her. Just ignore her. Nobody look. Nobody look. Don't let her near the button. Don't let her near the button. You know that kind of thing. See, Lasseter, give me a call. <laughs> yeah, I like to think we have a unique perspective on Disney movies because we're not parents. True. True. And most, you know, most people who watch Pixar Disney movies. End up, you know, they're usually parents who are, the kids end up watching it and they sit watching it with them or they take them. So I always think we have a unique perspective because we're adults who are four, you know, nearly 50 years of age who watch Pixar movies. So, you know, I don't think our perspective is the same as most. True. Uh, so, yeah, I really thought this was, if you were to visualize what's going on in somebody's head, this is like the perfect way of doing it. I mean, it really is simplified. But, it's a really difficult subject to tackle, emotions, especially, like, even, you know, if you sit a kid down to watch this movie, some, a lot of kids don't even understand what is going on half the time with emotions. They're like, uh, I don't know why I feel sad today, or I don't know... Kids. I mean, uh, Riley's age, like, yeah. And I'm not picking on men, but let's be honest, you don't exactly cope with your emotions very well. Not really. But There's a sort of like off on button. See, that should be in the man's uh, on off. It on kind off. of is in that man's version, isn't it? Like he, he in his little head. He's all anger. Yeah. He's all military. He like. What, what does that one say? It's one of my funniest lines in the film. High amount of sass or something. <laughs> Detecting a high amount of sass, sir. <laughs> yeah, he's like with his little mustache. Everybody's got a mustache in the guy's head. I thought that was cool. <laughs> well, he has uh, a mustache. Though. Yeah, but it's just like yeah, they, like you've you filed like every and the late the lady all they all have the same glasses as her in the lady's head. So putting the foot down, putting the foot down. Everybody, get ready. Put the foot down. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny and and very it's poignant. I thought it was going to go a, a, a totally... A spoiler alert. He's going to about spoil something for you. I can feel it in my bones. I'm just going to tell you, this, this doesn't happen. Exactly. That's a spoiler, though. Yeah. Because people spoiler. might... So go watch it. If you don't want to listen to any of this spoiler shit. All right. And come back now here. Now I'm going to spoil it. So um, I thought, because it's a Pixar movie, and we've all seen Up, I'm seeing what happens in the first few minutes of Up. And what else? Everything else. Yeah. Up's very... Challenging. The I only believe. one that doesn't have this is Bugs Life. Yeah, Bambi. 
Disney movies. We're talking about Pixar here. But Bugs Life doesn't have what you're about to mention. No, but, but I think I think Up was like Toy a really, really ballsy movie to do that in a kids' movie right at the beginning of a movie. We're talking about killing somebody off. Yeah. And it was really hard. Like, oh my god, hard I second cry about it thinking about it right That's now. That's what I'm saying. And I didn't expect that from a Pixar movie, and they did it. In this movie, I was th- I was kind of, oh, they're just going to... The- they're setting up this family, and here's the baby, and uh, we're going in this, and one of these parents is going to die. I- that was what I was thinking. Like, definitely. A heart attack or whatever. And then the rest of the movie would be... Or think about Poor Hero 6. Jiminy Christmas. Yeah, that see kid. that? Yeah, that's really hard. <laughs> so I was thinking that was the way they were going to go. Absolutely. From the opening frame, I was like, okay, I can see the crux of this. And then we're going to, it's going to be very delicate because, wow, that's a hard topic to deal with. How do you make that funny? Because this movie's going to be funny. And then it didn't go that way. And I was like, I'm kind of glad they didn't do it again because. Well, yeah, of course. But I would also like to see how that would have been tackled. How Not would me. you keep it up spirited? I don't think I would. Because Big Hero 6 kept it up spirited even though people died. They all do. Yeah. They all do. Well, Bambi doesn't. I think it's sad from the moment on. I've never I think, seen I think all The Lion Bambi. King is too. It's Actually. sad, isn't it? Like it's... They're not Pixar. No. I just mean Disney in general. Where I they don't feel do... like Lion King's sad all the way through. Because they talk, you know. I mean, it's hopeful. But I do feel sadness in it a lot. I mean, most of the time. like you know, Whenever you lose a parent or a child dies or something. I wouldn't explore that in this. I think... You can explore it in different stories, but I'm kind of wrung out on it. So I they don't that, explore that. Like anymore. in Toy Story, we don't. Nobody dies, but you're letting go, as like in this one of your of a childhood, a aspect of your childhood. And I think that in this one, parts of your person of her personality are symbolized in the movie by these islands in her mind. You know, there's family and friendship and hockey and honesty yes, things, and yeah. goofiness. Like those are what she is up until she's eleven. Those. If you were to say, oh, describe Riley to me, somebody would say, oh, she's goofy and she really loves her mom and dad and she loves hockey. You know, that defines her. And we see them fall apart and then you have to start something new. I think that's sad sad enough because you think, when I was a kid, I think I've reverted to a lot of things by not having my own children. You know, I've been able to revert back to, I could sit in the yard by the tree all day. And make mud pies. And I mean all day. From the time the sun was up and the grass was wet with dew. That's going to be lyrical about it. Sitting there with my little pants with my smiley face stickers all over. Or stamps all over them that I did and my mom got mad about. With my little comic book shirt on. And make mud pies all day. And my mom had to bring me lunch. Which was probably a bologna sandwich on a paper plate. And then she'd have to holler at me when the sun was going down. Because it was so dark I couldn't probably see what I was doing anymore. And that part of you go, that would have gone away in my life at some point. Couldn't do that anymore. But the joy that I did have, the pleasure of being alone, the all of that experience kind of melts away. And you think about it, that's kind of sad. That if you were swinging when you were a kid, and if you can actually dig up that memory, which is, I love the way they handle that too core, in this movie. Core memories. Core memories and forgotten memories. What I really what love happens is when there's you a cleanup a crew. And they've got a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> and they get to decide what And they're going along the shelves and they go in. She doesn't need to know the name of all these action figures, so... She doesn't need to know all the presidents. Yeah. Just the just, just the Washington the, and Lincoln and the fat one. And yeah. Erase all the rest. So, you know? like, yeah. And that's how I think And about, that goes away from you at yeah. some point. But it's still part of you. Yeah. And, but it's sad. If you think about well, to me, how you were as a kid. The saddest part of the whole movie is... Did you cry? 
No, but I think it's really <laughs> sad because it's like the loss of child, like a child, like the loss of of your, of your childrenness. Yeah. And it's the imaginary friend in her mind. She got imaginary friend that in her is mind, sad. and he's there. And this is so sad because they 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 get the adventure of this whole thing is joy and sadness get lost in the mind, get lost in her mind, and they're trying to find the way back to the control center so they can keep Riley happy. So while they're wandering through her mind, they find her imaginary friend. He's like an elephant slash, you know, he's a he's a whatever he is. He's a dolphin mixed with an elephant mixed with cotton candy. And he's super happy. He's a, he's a you know, he's a, a her imaginary friend who she spent lots of time with. His only memory is of the memory she of made things, with him. But right. So I figured when out, he's walking. I figured out why he's not a memory. Like I thought, well, why can't they just pull out a memory of him? Because he's not a memory. That's what I mean. This is why I'm saying that this yeah. part is he's wandering around and they mention a few things. Oh, and he's sad because he can't do it anymore with her. Because she's forgot about him. Like, she, she's she got older. She doesn't need him. So he's just... But he's just wandering around her brain forever. Just waiting. <laughs> that's what I found really sad. Because like, <laughs> really that's like a childhood thing. Because he's in there. Throw away. Yeah. And if you were to remind him... Uh, remind her of him. Even now, when you're 50. And you I never had that. Now, I've probably talked to people. I bet you did. No, not an imaginary friend exactly. I I didn't, more... but I would talk to myself when I was playing when I was a kid. Yeah, I was more of a write a whole story person where I would, because I watched so much TV and so much, well, TV, I didn't read a lot of books, and I would, like, I built, I've told you about the radio station I built in my room where I had an old keyboard and, like, some albums, and I'd make my little booth, and I would sit there, and I hated it when anyone came around, because I wanted to just, I wanted to be the DJ, and I wanted to be the commercial, I wanted to be the thing, and I did interviews on my little tape recorder of of myself doing interviews of someone else who was always me with a weird accent, you know, like a southern accent right. or whatever I could make up at the time, you know, something word or word or word like that. That's what kind of a job. I mean, I was more like make, but I did that. Just you know, that was my thing. Not an imaginary kid, but, but I mean, when, not an imaginary person. When they're wandering around a mind in the middle of this movie. That I really enjoyed, like, there's that bit about the abstract thinking, where they, like, yes. don't go through the door. <laughs> yeah. So there's a door, like, dedicated to just crazy thinking, just thinking of anything. And and the the guy, the imaginary friend saying, it's a shortcut, let's go through it. And they're like, mm. one of them, sadness, is like, I don't think we should go through that. And when they go through that, that visual, which yeah. I won't spoil. Yeah, of, of the awesome. Yeah, it's, it's quite... They've spoke to psychiatrists or psychologists, obviously. There's yeah. things in... And there are people... I mean, everybody's mind works different. Some people, that is that is how most of their mind will work. Some people are mostly sad. Some people are mostly just blindly joyous with no explanation. Some people is, are yeah. unable to abstract ideas, right? Because it was turned off in her mind. Yeah. And then the people came along and said, oh, let's clear it out and push on the button and burn out all the bits and pieces. And then they get trapped in this big abstract thinking section. There's also imagination land where anything is possible. Now imagine, it's kind of like, in my mind, it'd be like the never-ending story that as you grow up, imaginary land, like in hers, it starts to fall apart. Like, uh, there's no gingerbread house and there's no castle made of glitter and there's no, you know, that all goes away too. Which is all really sad. That all made me very sad. Another awesome idea in this movie is um, where, as you know, as a person, occasionally something just pops into your head for no reason. Yes. And in this movie, 
those guys who clean up the shelves say to to each other at one point, "Well, here's like this really annoying commercial that um of a, of a, a chewing gum." It's not annoying to them though; they love it. They That's love why it, they but, wanted to play over and over. As opposed as Riley, every so often they just send it into a mind, back up into a mind. These are the guys, well, the guy and the gal who are deleting memories, and they come. They're debating each time they have a clipboard which one to delete. They love it, and then they decide. Why not? And then the person, Joy's like, why, why did I give her to this one instead of all the names of all of her favorite toys? And they're like, nope, we're keeping this one. Let's send but that's it up. My, my favorite part <laughs> is they keep sending it back up into her brain and then you see her in the real world go and start singing this song. <laughs> and then every so often after that point, the, not from her perspective, but from the perspective of the other emotions in her head, it keeps popping back up also because they just keep sending it back up on this regular. <laughs> yeah. And they go, whoa, that's there again. So yeah, I, that is a thing where I was like, wow, yeah, because you do. Sometimes you're humming something and you're like, what the hell is going on? Why am I humming the, why am I humming a commercial from 30 years ago? I haven't heard it. Where did it come from? <laughs> like, you know, that happens. So. I really enjoyed the whole thing of it's clever. It's really clever. I think I was thinking how it works on like a kid's level and an adult level. I think it probably does work both ways. There's going to be stuff kids don't understand. And then there's going to be stuff adults don't understand about kids' minds. Or do we? No, because we're all world kids. Yeah, but... We were all kids, so we all get it. We just forget. Does a teeny... Does a girl understand a boy's mind? Probably Because I forget. I actually don't have... It's not a little ball in my mind that I can recall, you know, exactly how I felt every minute of my life. Now, I remember being, like, devastated, I thought, from moving from Edina to Downing. It was like a downgrade. It was terrible. It was really terrible. Like, I don't remember if I cry. I don't remember crying. I don't remember any of that. I only remember the feeling mostly of school and then of downing. We would drive into downing and I would look around like, <gasps> and I love that what they did was removed joy and sadness from her mind for a time. And then she's blank. Well, she's got like, anger and. But that's it. But there's no, but they're trying, they're trying not to intervene at all. So she does, she's blank a lot. Like her dad tries to talk to her and she just re- doesn't react. And her mom, the teacher, you know, says stuff and she doesn't react anymore. And I just think that's, you do blank out a little bit if you can't sort out how to find your own happiness. And I think, I I was afraid in the beginning it'd be a little preachy about happy, happy, that joy was going to be like the star of the show. And I'm really glad that it balances out. Even joy um, figures out something about herself, which is interesting because she's an emotion who realizes that she's everything. And Every emotion is everything. Yeah, and, it, and it's, you know, they're all, another genius thing, how they're all separated into colours, and the colours are very Color. specific. Yep. And uh, that's not how things are. Maybe when you're younger, not when you're older. So um, let's move on to the cast. Amy Poehler plays Joy. I think Joy was excellent, to be honest. Um, you, I was thinking, oh, you probably hate Joy, because she's like that. <laughs> Happy. Yeah, like because well, that's all she is at the beginning. But what I like about her is she's she's already balanced because you can't make somebody who's pure, unadulterated, like annoyingly. She, she's like, not annoyingly joyous. To no, me. but I like how she deals with like of it. She's joy, right? So she has to be <laughs> joyous. But she sees sadness, and sadness is oh, I'm just doing my thing in here. And how she kind of manages her. I love, I love. Yeah. The, Here's what we can do. Yeah. She draws well, a circle. I'm going to give goes, you a plan, I want you right? to keep yeah. all her sadness in that circle. 
<laughs> just keep it all in there. And then she's and like, she, uh, her life is like managing. But what I love that others. she realizes about herself, another spoiler alert, is that when she's recalling memories, she's actually sort of deluded about it. That she's, she's trying too hard to find the joyous part and she's denying the sad parts. Like the only reason some of her memories are happy is because it started with something sad and someone came along and made her feel better. And Joy has to realize that you can't pretend everything's fine all the time. That, because that's why it wasn't annoying to me. Because it was pretty quick that I figured out Joy is just trying to balance everybody. She's not trying to, like, eliminate everybody, so. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought she was funny. It was yes. uh, good. And uh, Phyllis Smith from The Office plays Sadness. What I really liked about the Sadness character was how she didn't, she couldn't keep her hands off the emotions. Like, you know the part of the beginning where <laughs> yeah. where you're thinking, well, you know, Joy's trying to keep a, a, a thing on everything, keep everything yellow and happy. And Sadness is just like, occasionally touches like the... <laughs> and then she'll go, what are you doing? And go, I, I don't even, know. I don't even know what Sorry. I was doing. So she just kind of, she's just got this and she just can't help. So a bit of Sadness comes into Riley a lot. Like, because, because that's of, life, isn't it? Yeah. We are, I think... I don't think joy is our overriding emotion in, as a human, as a creature on this it's planet, it, in the universe. But I just don't think if we had never figured out how to build shit and make fire and all that, we can't have a lot of joy because you're going to be really focused on everything else. So I don't think it's built into us. We've sort of manufactured it over however long, right? It's wonderful. It's amazing. But it has to be balanced out with everything else or it's meaningless. And I think that somebody tapped into that. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but that's what I got from it. I also really like how Philly Smith, as an actress, comes through in that character. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I I only know her from The Office, but it's her... To me, that's just... When she's playing that character in The Office, that's kind of how she is. Like, one of those roles. And it just comes through in this. I mean, they've designed the character kind of to be like her anyway a little bit, but... You know when you know when she's making joy like pull her along on the floor. Yeah. Because she doesn't want to walk. <laughs> I'm too sad to walk. <laughs> joy is um, really strong. Joy can carry all those balls and drag sadness along with her. But I thought Philly, I think she did a really good job. It was um, she's just got that kind of. She's perfect for the sadness role. It's just that kind of dry kind of. Uh, everything's on her. Like she's got everything pressing. Well, oh, that's sadness. Sadness is um. A filter that you, it's, all of them are, but I mean, sadness is, it's like a, what would you call it? Like a vortex. It can just suck you down into it. And she's charming and she's kind of cute and, you know. It's... I wrote Philly Smith's sadness and then Bill Hader. I wrote him as sadness as well, but he's not sadness. He yeah. is. Fear. Yeah, fear. And, uh. Worry. <laughs> he's like this thin. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have known it was him, to be honest. Oh, I would, totally. Instantly. I, I wasn't thinking of him. Oh, instantly. Um, I can see his face in my mind. But again, he was funny. I, I really liked the version of him that is inside the dad's head. <laughs> yes. That's my favorite one. Because uh, he's like a military kind of guy. It's just funny. It's really funny. Uh, Lewis Black plays Anger. And Anger's going to blow his top at any minute. He's get, fire will come out of his head. 
Um, <laughs> when he's a baby, when she's a baby and anger takes over, it's really funny because that's yeah. exactly what happens. And he has, he has, you go from pure joy, yeah, these. you go from pure joy to complete and utter 100% anger in a child, and that was really good. When she dances on the chair that her pants on, so um, but Lewis Black was good, yeah, he's like a sarcastic kind of comedian in real life. Um, but this guy is different to what he is, I think. Uh, Mindy Kaling is discussed, and we discussed, discussed. Uh, that it isn't a real emotion. Disgust. It's not. And an emotion. I don't feel like it's the right way to describe it. it but I mean, I, I can see what they wanted. I do too. But I would have said embarrassment. Not embarrassment, because then how would she not? Why would she not want to eat broccoli? Which is an emotion, right? Right, but we're talking about disgust, as in Ugh, you had to work in the broccoli stuff and the dog food. I feel like there was long, hard discussions about that of what they were going to do with it. Like they were, bit- and it could have been disgust. It also crossed over to her own self-image, like what clothes she was going to wear and how she did her hair and all that kind of stuff. So this body image thing. So how? what else would you... I don't know if that's the right word, but, you know, they, I mean, it, they wrote it. Because it works in the movie because there's the part where, you know, broccoli comes about and she's disgusted by it. And there's also what where, what other things that she's disgusted by. Mm, the smell of the truck and the house. Yeah. The dead mouse in the house, all that kind of stuff. Still feel that was the weakest. Of and going to school, characters. she was in charge of what to pick to wear to school, and yeah. she was in charge of how you were supposed to behave in front of everyone. She was also in charge of not letting your parents walk to school with you. So disgust was more like self awareness or yeah. something. It's, Humility. I don't know. But that's play- she's played by Mindy Kaling, who is also from The Office, mm-hmm. and I thought she did good uh-huh. in this. It could have been anybody. Let's be honest. It's not a particularly funny role, and she's funny, like, so it isn't. The drawing, or the creation of the character, is more distinctive, I think, than the voice, whereas all the other voices seem to kind of jump out. Uh, Riley is voiced by Caitlin Diaz, who um, I don't recognize from the thing, but all, an excellent job. I mean, she mostly... Is she Carmen Diaz's daughter? No. <laughs> uh, Diane Lane plays the mom, and uh, Kyle McLaughlin plays the dad. And, you know, the mom and dad, are, while they're pivotal, they don't get a lot to do. Uh, I wish they had more. I like Diane Lane's voice. I just always, it's always very, I don't know. I just think fun. it's really well, I couldn't think of bad voice acting in this movie. And the two grown-ups, when they have, she's trying to signal him, and he yeah. just, he looks at the emotions, see that she's eyeballing him, and they're like, oh no, she's looking at us again. What's she trying to say? What did like, we do? Like, what did we, we don't understand women, and the women are like, yeah, again, look at this man, he's an making idiot. Making men yeah, idiot. seem very shallow. <laughs> but then again, there were men on this movie who were writing and directing and doing everything, so they had a say. But it's funny, and we all know that it's... Partially true? Yeah. <laughs> Because it is that. She thinks, what an idiot. But he's cute. I really. There are times where I really like him. But he's so but cute. But most of the time he's an idiot. I like the... the and he, he thinks, what the hell is she saying? I don't understand this woman. <laughs> and in the women's mind, they ser- they reserve a memory of a guy that she met a long time ago, yeah, like, like on a trip to San Tropez, <laughs> and they just bring it up whenever they need, and they all just go, oh, ha, ha. well, um, that's not entirely untrue. I'm just telling you. <laughs> did you meet a guy in San Tropez? In San Tropez. No, the idea isn't completely untrue. Um, yeah, and they didn't cover that. Yeah, I, I, they didn't cover that from the man's side, did they? I believe this is probably, I don't know, it's wrote, there are, I was going to say it's wrote mostly by women. And there is a, there is a feature on the featurettes thing about the women of Pixar. So maybe, even though it's directed by two dudes, maybe a lot of it was created by women, you know? Uh, directed by, talking of directed by, Pete Doctor, who you'll know from Monsters Inc. and Up. 
That's why I thought this movie, directed by the guy who directed Up, was going to be so sad, I wouldn't be able to handle it. But, thankfully, they didn't go that way. Uh, and the other guy, Ronnie Del Carmen, who works for Pixar, but he's not actually directed a uh, feature. Um, again, I find it hard to give a score or a review to directors of, of Pixar movies. Well, because I, I feel same. like there's so many people in doing it. Yeah, but this person is even more... He has to be... He or she has to be... He's in that room with them when they're doing their voice acting, right? And and he's you can see him standing there saying, do it, do it this way, let's try it this way, and encouraging her and getting directing her to what he wants. And then he can go in and sit in the cubicle with the person who is doing what? Like doing the lighting on the islands because you're going to have different people doing all different kinds of CGI. And he's going to sit there and be able to say, I really want this to look this way. Let's make um, whatever his name was, Boopy Snoopy Doop, her imaginary friend. Yeah. So I feel like a director in this situation is actually, like, the overall... He's a director, yes, but also a project manager. So he has to check in with every group. Because more than in a regular kind of movie, where you've got everybody on the set, you've got the lighting guy and the sound guy, you've got the set decorator, you've got the writer over here sitting in a chair, everybody's there. Everybody shuts up and you say, and you got the cameraman, everybody... In this, you've got everybody in separate rooms, probably separate cities, separate countries, possibly. And I feel like he, you have to have a really strong person to make sure everybody stays on point, right? Get all the stuff done. And I think Pixar has a look and a style more than their individual directors. Yeah. But if you took somebody who had a really different vision, it would end up being way different. So I do think it matters who it is. I think this guy, because he's been with them the whole time, right? Yeah. Wants it to be in the same sort of, like, the same guts that all the Pixar movies have been in. So, uh, this movie has some extras, and I, and also some shots, as all Pixar movies does. So, I start with the Lava short film. What did you think of that? That That is uh, the theatrical short film that Pixar put out every year, one, once a year. I wasn't that impressed. I don't know what that big deal is about. I thought it was really cute. I know, because you're, like, super and sappy I, romantic. And I love the song. I know you do. It didn't do anything for me at all, I'm afraid. No? I nope. thought it was I mean, really cute. It, it I liked it. looked nice, but I'm not that romantic. Explain what it was. It was a volcano. Lava. It was afraid. It was sad, and he was alone, and he was singing a song. And over time, over millennia, apparently, he kept getting more and more covered with ocean. Eventually, all of his lava uh, dried up, or went cold, Which and is... dry up. But he kept, he kept singing... And then this whole time, little did he know that there was a volcano under the water who was hearing his song and thought it was for her. And eventually she, see, physics doesn't work, this thing doesn't work here because she just Rose somehow up. rises up out of the water as she is under the water. That's not how volcanoes, volcanoes work. So that also threw me off, even though it's just a cute little animation. I was like, I'm not, I a, I'm not a huge believer in fate and all that kind of stuff. So it was cute and it was kind of relaxing because the song is very um, Polynesian or like yeah. like island Hawaiian. sounding. Yeah. And it had so a really, really cool... Um... And maybe that's the... Is that the mythology behind how the Hawaiian Islands were started maybe? I mean, there may be something behind it that I don't know about. This it's never just nothing is it for exactly. Pixar they always re it's researched from somewhere I really liked it it'll, you'll, it'll be the one that you'll notice at the Oscars uh, you know for the short film the um, one that I'll know 
Um, and the other short film on this Blu-ray is a brand new, if you're into um, Inside Out, it's a brand new short called Riley's First Date. And it's kind of like a... Now that one I liked. A bit of a carry-on from after Inside Out of Riley going on a date with this young boy and how the father and the mother react to the young boy coming... It's not a date, as Riley says. I like how the mother's mind is like, oh, we have to ask her a question, but we have to be cool. We have to pretend to be cool, like one of the kids. And so she's saying like, hey, how's the shizzle to this? this?" Yeah, like, (laughs) OMGs. And Mm. the daughter's mind is like, why is she saying those words to us? She's trying Mm. to be cool again. So we all figure each other out. But I thought they did that really cute. That was a cute one. That one I liked more. Right. And um, there is a featurette called Paths to Pixar, the women of Inside Out. What do you think of that? It was good. I mean... We've seen Paths to Pixar before on one of the other releases, The Men. I like... I like hearing people's stories, no matter what. I mean, you could just be the coworker in the cubicle outside of the door where I work as an IT professional or the person who is the lighting director on a Pixar movie. I like hearing the thing. But then cumulatively, I just kept hearing over and over this individual thing that I absolutely find like fingernails on a chalkboard well i'm a perfectionist well i've always been really really perfectionist well i've always been you know this or like i've always been a high achiever i've been an overachiever and i just find that really annoying and i don't know why it's just one of those personality traits that i don't covet <laughs> in any way shape or form to work for pixar but it was a theme. To be a no i don't think you do i think that it just sort of came through on you know um, or this thing of like i want to make everybody happy i just want to make everybody happy and again i do not covet that um personality trait at all there's also a feature called mixed emotions which is uh what did you think of that one it's it's um it's basically some interviews with the people who phyllis and Amy Poehler, the people who did the voices for each one. It's all right. Yeah. Neutral. And uh, those are the extras that we looked at. And then I was like, that doesn't seem like many extras. And then I looked on the back of this box, and there's another disc full of extras. No wonder. Now, I will uh, review those uh, in the written review later this week. But what is included is mapping the mind, exploring the fascinating workings of our minds. Our dads, the filmmakers. So from the kids' point of view... Of the directors. I'd like to watch that one. Into the Unknown, The Sound of Inside Out, and The Misunderstood Art of Animation Film Editing. That is the... So it's an extra disc with those four things on it. Um, so in terms of extras, there are quite a few. I thought there wasn't, but now I've... Now Which I'm is very at. unusual for Pixar. Yeah. Now, yeah, there is a, an extra... whole extra disc of extras. So, um, in conclusion, on Inside Out, I recommend it, as I do with most Pixar films. I can't think of one where I've gone, oh, you sh- that was really crappy, you shouldn't watch it. There hasn't been one, has there? Oh, no crappy ones. You didn't particularly like Cars 2. Yeah, that... It's not crappy. It was okay, but it just felt... It didn't tug at your heart <laughs> Yeah, it, it didn't feel like it had as much of a heart as the first one. Cars also doesn't have a dead parent. Mm. Does it? No. The first cars I really like. I like the story of the, you know, wanting to win. (laughs) You know, it's cool. But the second one went, like, a spy movie? Remember? Head Bond. Which seemed a bit, eh, to me. It didn't feel Pixar. Like, I love it when they come up with something brand new like this. Or Brave. Or, you know, like, where it's like, wow, I didn't expect that. That is just different. And they do. Inside Out, so different to everything else. I think. Different, but the same. Yeah, similar to Toy Story, but not, like, 
Brave was very different, I thought. That was one that I really appreciated. So, uh, yeah, I recommend it highly. And I am a 46-year-old man with no children. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. And I am a 48-year-old woman. 40... Let me just remind you of that one more time. 48. Fudge knuckle. That is a lot Fudge of years. Knuckle. Fudge knuckle, that's a lot of years. And I have no children. I have lots of nieces and nephews and helped raise a nephew. So... The thing is, I still probably didn't watch a lot of Disney movies with any of them. I just watched them on my own. <laughs> so, you know. So thank you to Disney for the Blu-ray this week. And uh, next week we'll, we will be reviewing a big summer Hollywood blockbuster called Jurassic World. So we'll be looking at that next week. If you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com. You can win a copy of the Lego Brickumentary Aschoolie.com. <laughs> you can pick it up there. Uh, and movie recommendations. I am going on the subject of Inside Out. Number one, if I ever review a Pixar film, I will always tell you to go and watch A Bug's Life, which yep. is my favorite Pixar movie. Yep. Um, so go and watch that one. My second one is Inner Space, just because of how this movie kind of shows the inside of the body and how that does also. This doesn't show the inside of the body at all. This one shows your mind. That it's one shows your actual body. And it's old. It's the also 80s. The mind. So it doesn't look great. So don't go at it thinking it's going to be... And that is a movie I approve a remake. Because I love that They're movie. They're doing a remake of it, yeah. Who's doing it? Who's in it? When is it coming out? There's no... It's just okay. floating around. So then we don't know. That one could definitely use a remake and look amazing. But it has to be just as weird. It has to have that shrink ray. What's, the other, that. what's the other movie that's the same concept? Where they go inside the body. It's not inner space. It's the other one. The yeah. journey. So journey. journey. Fantastic. Fantastic voyage. Yes. That's yeah. It. That one as well. I'd recommend that too. Anything great. Original. Not yeah, the Where you shrink down and go in the body. With the mummy. It's pretty cool. Okay. My recommendations, because we're approaching the holiday season. And yes, holiday. I'm going to say any holiday that anyone celebrates near this time of year. I particularly do Christmas, even though I don't believe in any Christ gods or anything, which is... Christ People is right can there say, well, you can't have, you can't celebrate if you don't believe anything. <sighs> you know what? I have two words for you. But I'm not going to say them because I haven't said the F word yet. So I say from now till past the beginning of the year, anybody who has anything that they celebrate, you can't really go wrong if you subtract the Christmas element and the Santa element of elf. It's just a really... The more times I watch it, the more I like it. It must have some hypnotizing thing in it, because I start to watch it now, and I'm just like, I'm hooked. I, I've said before, it's a classic, like, It is, Scrooge and I didn't think or, that. It's an actual Christmas classic. Though. I didn't think that the yeah. first couple times I watched it. Oh, I always did, from the and beginning. And now I'm looking... I did, I almost started it the other night when I was tired. Not that we'll all watch a little bit now, but I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to watch it all. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's truly a classic. And I actually think Santa Claus, the Santa Claus, like the yeah. first one, is actually really good as well. So I need to add that to my rotary. But Elf and Coraline, because Coraline also examines a little bit of a, a little girl feeling like she's being sort of pushed aside or parents are really, you know, in line with what she wants. So then there's an imagination element to it and it looks amazing. I love Coraline. I think it's also really... Stop motion. I am not going to stop my motion, but okay. All right, games and A-Scully stuff. I have been playing uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider this week. Uh, you probably figured, uh, but you don't have an Xbox One, so how are you playing Yeah, Rise? because everyone knows what you have. I think people who listen to the show probably know that I have a PlayStation 4, and Rise of the Tomb Raider is only on the Xbox. Well, because it's only on the Xbox, it's actually on the Xbox 360 as well. And uh, I picked it up on the Xbox 360, and I've been playing it. 
What I can say about it is, it is very similar to the first one. Like, almost too similar. Like, there's no... Um, I like it, don't get me wrong, but there's no... One of the things in the first one, which this bugs me about the second one a little bit, is at the end of the first one, near the end, Lara gets a trademark two pistols. It's a trademark that she holds a pistol in either hand and shoots stuff that way. And it's it's made clear in the first game, here's the point where she becomes Lara Croft with the two pistols. In this game, she never has two pistols. It's like they forgot that she did the two pistol thing. She just has one, just standard. And I, my image of Lara Croft is always with the two pistols in her hand, so I don't get why they introduce it in the first game and then don't have it at all in this one. Weird. Um, why does that bother you? Because it's not consistent with the character. And they, they were try- What they did with the last game is reboot the whole thing. Now, if you were going to not, not have the two pistols, then don't introduce them, right? In the first game. As a big pivotal moment in the first game where it's like, oh, here's the part where she gets the pistols. You know? And then just don't use them in the second one. Kind of weird, I thought. Uh, the other thing is, the story's a bit weaker in this one than it was in the first one. In this one, it's very predictable. Everything, in fact, you predicted. Um, yep. I watched it for a five major minutes twist. And I was you like, predicted oh, it. duh. Yeah. <laughs> it's predictable, and the baddie, while bad, is very generic, you know? And in the first one, it wasn't like that. Because the actual baddie in the first one was terrifyingly scary. Like, it was. It, in this one, it's not so much. But, as far as a game goes, if you liked that that reboot of Tomb Raider from a couple of years ago, you'll like this, because it's more of the same thing. There are more tombs to explore, which I really think is a good thing, because in this first one, there was only three or four tombs to go into. In this one, there are tombs all over the place. Optional tombs, they call them, where you can just go in. There's a puzzle. It might be like, you got to send some water to that side of the room, so the water rises up and then swim under the thing. You know, it's a bit of a puzzle to get to the treasure. And when you get to the treasure, it's a cool thing that you get, like a like a weapon or a you know something that helps you in the rest of the game. So there's that. The graphics are really good for the Xbox 360, which is interesting because I watched a YouTube video of the Xbox One version, and the 360 is really good looking. Even you said, didn't you? What, what, yeah, it doesn't look looks like- fine. Yeah, it doesn't look like a game, like, oh god, that's way out of date. I mean, whoever made the 360 version, I think it's Nixie's. They did the port from the Xbox One to the 360. They did a hell of a job with it. It, it looks really good. I wouldn't be like, you know, sat there going, oh, this is really terrible looking. And what they did was any of the video sequences, uh, so like cutscenes, they use the Xbox One videos. So they those always look good because they're the, you know, full-on versions. Um, so yeah, that's Rise of the Tomb Raider. It's on the 360 and the Xbox One. It's fun to play, really fun. If you like Tomb Raider, you'll probably like it. The other thing I've been playing with this week is the Steam Controller and the Steam Link. And you might not know what that is, but what it is is Valve, who makes Steam, who are the PC, uh, they made Half-Life, they made Portal. They have a, a service on the PC called Steam that a lot of people will have heard of. It's in, you are now using it right this second. Correct. It's a content delivery system. It's nothing exciting, really, when you boil it down. It's a place on the PC where you can go and buy games. And it's an app. 
and it updates your games and it lets you play your games. Well, Steam have got into the hardware business this week and they've released a controller and a link system, which is a thing that you go and plug into your television and it links to your PC, which was pro- which is probably in a different room to your television for most people. I bet your PC's in your office and your television's in your living room. That's probably how most people operate. Well, the problem used to be was, how do I play my PC games on my big screen in, in, in the living room? I can only play them in the office. Well, this Link device, you plug it into your television, you plug it into your network, and it automatically connects to your PC with all your games on it and streams the games to the TV. And I've been messing around with it this week. What did you think of uh, it? It's cool. It's very cool. It works? Yep. Exactly. We, we have a wired connection, I must say. Don't, I wouldn't try this with wireless it even tells you on the box and gives you a wire in the in the in the box to kind of make it clear that if you're going to do this, a wired connection would be the best way to do it. And I did it with a wired connection, and I did I chose beautiful as the setting. There are three settings: fast, balanced, and beautiful. I chose beautiful, and it looks like you're playing the PC game on the TV. It doesn't look like you're watching a video, which is actually what you're doing. Now, the other piece of that puzzle is the Steam controller, which is a new controller that links up to this Steam link and also works on your PC. And it's like a revolutionary controller. It, like, we've been using the same type of controllers for years, the PlayStation and the Xbox One, two analog sticks, four buttons, four triggers. That's what it's like. The Steam controller is very, very different. Uh, what it uses is two trackpads, and they're, they're like... Um, like laptop trackpads, two circular ones, quite big, one analog stick, four triggers, and a gyro sensor, so it can actually detect movement. Gyro sensor. It is very different from a normal controller, isn't it? I mean, it's... It feels professional, but but it looks different. I mean, yeah, it it looks like an Xbox 360 controller to look at, but when you look closely, you're like, oh, that is really different. The buttons are in a different place. Now, I, I... When I first picked it up, and played a game with it, I was like, I played Mad Max on the PC, and I was like, I just can't control this thing. I am probably going to not use this controller after a few, you know, I'm probably going to go and use my 360 controller because it's, it's not working for me. So I I had that opinion of it. And I bet a lot of people have that opinion of it, is what I was thinking, and then just send it back or take it back and say, oh, this isn't for me. But after a couple of days... I'm very used to it now, and I've been playing... What was I playing yesterday? The Rally, Dirt Rally. And Pac-Man. And Pac-Man, which is, I said to you, a massive test of a controller. If you can't accurately move playing Pac-Man, which is really fast. I was playing the new Pac-Man, by the way, the Championship Edition, the one that moves really, really fast. I play Pac-Man perfectly. I got a better score than I normally do with this controller. And how it works is, there is an analog stick, like you would on any other controller for your right thumb your left thumb and that's what you move your character with so say I'm playing Tomb Raider I'm moving Lara Croft with the left thumb now there is no stick for my right thumb there's a trackpad but that trackpad can be mapped to whatever you want you can map it to it can be a so can I play this game yeah because I'm just clicking everything but and that game is Cities Skylines yes of course Cities Skylines so yeah it what this controller is made for is when you go and sit on the couch playing PC games. PC games are very different to console games because they're mostly designed for a keyboard and mouse. 
So how do you emulate a keyboard and mouse while sat on the couch without having a keyboard and mouse? So what this controller does is you, it's infinitely customizable. You can do all kinds of things with it. But the trackpads themselves, you can emulate a joystick on either one of them. So if you are playing Tomb Raider and you want a joystick on the right pad for moving the camera, you can tell it to go into joystick mode. And when you put your thumb on it, you can feel a vibration when your thumb is right in the middle. And that tells you you're in the middle. It's like a haptic feedback, it's called. And then when you move away from the middle, the, the vibration becomes less so. So you can tell whether... You, and then you can get back to the middle easily without even looking at it because you feel the vibration of it. So you can have it as a joystick. You can have the right or the left as a mouse, like a perfect mouse, which is... You, could, you can even use it in your desktop. You can bring your desktop up on the TV and you can surf the web because you've got a mouse pointer... You've got clicks on your triggers. Um, it can also emulate a trackball, which is really interesting because when you run your finger across it, if you've ever used a trackball, have you used a trackball? Only in the 80s. And when you run your, f when you use a trackball, it carries on going, right? Not like a mouse. Like a mouse, when you stop, it stops. Yeah, yeah. A trackball, there's some friction, inertia. Well, you can, it emulates that. So when you, if you flick your finger, it carries on going. like, And you can feel the vibration of when it's starting to stop. So it actually right. feels like there's a ball underneath your finger. Which it's weird. Hard to explain. You have to use it to, to see it. But I found that I was sat back yesterday. Uh, not, in the, not on the TV, but on my computer playing Hearthstone with the controller. And I was just using the trackpad and the clicker. And that's a game that you could not play without a keyboard and mouse, and it works perfectly. Um, another game I was playing was Dirt Rally, which is a racing game. Now, this controller has really cool triggers as well. It has these dual stage triggers, which means there's an analog part to the trigger where you can pull it and you can feel it squeezing. And then it stops, and then there's a clicky part. So it's like squeeze and then click. So the first part is your throttle. Not to 100. And you can pull it in any, you know. And then when you get to the end of that, you can click it in. And that would be whatever you assign it to. Let's say your turbo boost in your car. So so you can throttle. And the haptic feedback tells you when you're at the end of that throttle. And then you can pull it further to actually turbo boost. Or, or I was using it on the brake. To brake normally with the throttle. And then when you click it to use the handbrake. So, like, if you wanted to drift around a corner, you pull it hard. Or if you wanted to just brake softly, you pull it soft. So there's loads of things you can do with it. Um, it definitely has a steep learning curve, and it did take me a few days to figure out what I was doing with it. But um, it's a really cool device. And, you know, Steam have almost changed PC gaming with these two things. Because now, the PC's in your living room. Can be. Yeah, with these two devices, you can sit on the couch and play a PC game. That game you're playing now, you could sit and comfortably play that game, which you couldn't do before. You would have to drag a PC in there, hook yeah. it up to the TV. Um, so it has changed gaming, I think, in a way. Because um, how many people have PCs hooked up to their TVs? Probably f very few. Especially gaming PCs that make a lot of noise. You know? So, uh, yeah, it's the Steam controller and the Steam Link. 
I bought them on like super early access, probably about a year and a half ago <laughs> when they were in like, hey, we're making these things. Do you want to uh, get in on the early thing? And I did. And it cost $20. But that's not the case now because they're actually out fully. I think they are. I think the controller is $49.99 and the Steam Link is $49.99. So it's going to cost you $100 to get your PC into your living room, basically. Um, and it does have Wi-Fi, the Steam Link. And it does have 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi if you have the faster kind of Wi-Fi. But they do recommend on the box to use a, a wire. And I didn't even bother with the Wi-Fi. I just plugged the wire in and it works perfectly. So that's my things for this week. Sid Talk, what's for dinner? Dinner is going to be what we discovered this week. A delicious mushroom soup. Oh, yeah. I had mushrooms. And then... I was just going to have mushrooms and some spaghetti squash and some roasted zucchini and some roasted carrots. And then the carrots tasted gross, even though you said they didn't, but they ended up not being edible to me. So, blended up some of the mushrooms with the inside of the zucchini and some almond milk. Amazing. So, tonight we're going to have carrot mushroom soup. Actual good carrots. Blend that up with peas and carrots. (laughs) And some corn nuggets. Mm. with some curry dip because I got some just mayo this week. If anyone's listening or doesn't know, we don't eat meat. We're not vegan, but we're vegetarian. And so I tried some just mayo and it is absolutely delicious. And I'm I've not tried totally it. not. What's it I mean, made of? Soy. Pea protein. Oh, right. Sounds and, good. you know, whatever else they put in there, oils and stuff. But um, it's really good. So I make some curry sauce and curry powder and a little bit of ketchup in it. So that's going to be our dip. For the corn is a brand, Q-U-O-R-N. So they make like, they use a, a different kind of protein to make their, what are supposed to be like chicken nuggets. And those are amazing. Good. Oh my God. Yeah. I could eat two boxes full of them. So. <laughs> uh, and what's the advice? Well, first my advice is don't be afraid. Why does it say advice? I don't know. Testing maybe last uh, week. <laughs> it's like a snake. Advice. Don't be afraid. Now. There are times in life when you're supposed to be afraid, and that's fine. When you're actually in imminent danger, or you're about to fall off a cliff, or you're about to be in a car accident. I mean, don't, like, be like, oh, whatever. I'm just saying, don't be afraid in life. Which I think is part of what ties into this movie. Like, don't be afraid to face your emotions. Don't be afraid at work to make a mistake. I made a mistake last week at work. Didn't realize I'd made it until later. And And what... Another person who's in the same position as me, we have supervisors 24 hours a day, so there's four of us covering all the different hours, and one of the other supervisors with whom I have not ever really seen eye to eye for 16 years, we're, we're fine, right? We get along on the big issues, little issues, we're completely opposites. Even he was like, well, you know, it should have been night shift due to this, and this should have been more clear, and I'm like, no, if I hadn't made this mistake initially... None of the after effects or none of the safety nets would have had to been put in place. And then, unfortunately, were also missed, right? So then the mistake got bigger and bigger. But if I hadn't, it's like snowball effect, right? If I hadn't initially got it started, then it wouldn't have. He writes back, no, no, it should be da, da, da. And even my manager sends this big long list of like what things went wrong. And I sent back a thing that said, and I sent it to everybody. I replied to everyone on his list, including our director. And said, the one thing that went wrong was that I made a mistake. That's it. Everything else, yeah, we should have more. We There are accountability things along the line. But if I hadn't messed up, 
none of that would have been necessary. Now, you, I still have that the gut feeling of like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, some people had to come in on their day off because it's to do with programming on a mainframe, you know, so... That sucks. If I could go to those people and say, hey, I'll come in and work for you for a day anytime you want. If I know how to do their job, I would do it. I cannot undo that part of it, right? But I can hold my hands up, let the fear of whatever happens, it's sort of stimulating to me. Now, I'm not talking about don't be afraid of horrible things like violent people or like someone in your life who's abusive and I'm not encouraging anyone to face that down. I'm not talking about like, well, physical or life-threatening things to be afraid of. Like, that's a different, as they say, that's another level. I'm talking about emotional or just sort of your mundane daily stuff. Not to be afraid. That's my thing. And here's another thing. This week, you know, my money is running low this week. You know, we're getting close to payday, which should be tonight at midnight, thankfully. Because what have I been running on all week? What have I been paying for all my groceries, my gas with this week what did we find laying around the house i found you found and i found later a lot of money change you probably change. all got money everywhere because we've lived in this house for 10 years and i've been throwing my change in multiple drawers but one drawer in particularly and then i have a cake pen sitting in the garage that i've thrown pennies in for 10 years because i don't think about it i throw it in there there were a few one dollar bills as well but accumulatively we found almost a well, it was over a hundred dollars worth yeah. of change. In, so I have in, been spending quarters and dimes and nickels at places like Subway and the grocery store. <laughs> so yeah, everybody go, and I go around gas. your house. Look, look, you probably got the same. Draws. I bought four dollars worth of gas with pennies the other night. I went in the gas station. I mean, I had my debit card like as a backup plan in case I got any shit from the guys, and I just was testing the waters. I only got four dollars worth, right? Because I thought I just want to see what happens. Like, what if somebody who is like, really, that's all you got, right? And you don't have a choice. Do they give you shit? Do they treat you, like, weird? And the guy, the guy, manager guy pointed to the young guy and he pulled out this big plastic container that was actually, like, looked like what beef jerky has come in before. Like, a big plastic container. It's got the label ripped off of it, you know? And it was completely full of change wrappers. Because when you close down a register at the end of the day, you have to wrap up a lot of change. And he just was like, no, nope, bring it over here. I had a cake pan full of pennies. And he and this young guy stood there. I counted them out. They all counted. We dumped them on the counter. Counted out four. Actually counted out $4.50 worth. And I said, keep the 50 cents. Put it in the penny jar. Whatever. You guys are awesome. So the go, subway guy counted out my change for me. I was going to say, nickels. look in your uh, drawers. Today, the lady at the grocery store, she just took my little tub. Because the, I mean, the quarters wouldn't go in the help the self-checkout. I didn't want to bother anybody this time. So I'm doing the self-checkout. And it only takes a certain amount of change. Who knew? She just took my tub of quarters over to her drawer. She's like, dun, 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 one, two, three. And it was $18 worth. She counted them all out, took out a bunch of dollar bills. I looked up at my screen. It said $0. And she goes, there you go, hon. And I was like, thanks. So you're probably <laughs> all sitting on a nest egg of oh, money. Oh, shit. I mean. Pennies don't look like much, but then when you. Oh, add that, you know what? Oh, just a handful of pennies is a dollar. Mm. So if you need to buy some food and you got $3 of pennies to spend. It's not, it's not like a big, huge tub full or anything. You could go with two handfuls and, you know, I've worked in retail enough times and in bars and restaurants and gas stations to know money is money. And if you had to pay for your gas with $2.52 worth of pennies, that's fine with me. I'd rather have you come in my store, pick something up and ask me if you can pay in pennies than to pick something up and try to steal it. Yeah. So 
So let me... Don't be afraid and go gather up all your change. That's your advice. Let me remind you about... Even if you gather up all your change and give it to charity, it's better giving it to charity than it all sat in your drawer. I thought about that. I thought about doing a challenge on... uh, It was our um, public radio station's drive this week, you know, where you can say, I want to give $5 a month. And I thought they have these challenges all the time. And I thought, wouldn't that be a good challenge? To say, I found $20 worth of change. I'm sure everybody would find it. I'm challenging everyone to dig out their change and just match it. Like, you know. So uh, let me remind you about our website. It's aschoolie.com, sitter.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on stitcher.com. Go to uh, stitcher.com, search for After the Show. Also on iTunes, on Xbox, on the RSS feed. Just go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast. You can listen to it there even. You can email feedback to me at aschoolie at aschoolie.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She really does not want your... uh, Interference. Interference. And, and finally, stay classy, Pixar. I'm really excited to see what they do next. In fact, I know what they're doing next. Toy Story 4. And I'm going to say, think for yourself or somebody will do it for you.